the Cyber Warrior Network Esports Podcast, where we discuss everything cybersecurity and identify talent in technology through esports. CWN is launching the first cyber esports league that validates cyber skills and matches players to fill real-world cybersecurity jobs. From 2014 to 2016, Nigel LeBlanc, a United States Air Force veteran, served as the Cyber Veteran Program Manager for the state of Maryland, where he helped veterans launch businesses and careers in cybersecurity. Today, he serves as the founder and CEO of Cyber Warrior Network. In 2020, at DEF CON Red Team Village, a 14-year-old girl placed in the top 25 of her cyber esports tournament. Play well, get hired. CWN, a league of their own. And now, your host, Nigel LeBlanc. This is episode one of the Cyber Warrior Network podcast. My name is Nigel LeBlanc, and I'm the CEO and founder of the Cyber Warrior Network. So a little bit about myself. I am an Air Force member. I've been in the Air Force for a total of 17 years. I did 10 years active in the last seven in the reserves. And one of the reasons why I decided to launch this podcast was to help my fellow military members and also, you know, bring in uh, civilian employers in and civilian people to talk about the issues ranging from transition and cybersecurity and how do we prepare people for cybersecurity careers and startups. So my last daytime role was the veteran program manager for cybersecurity at the Department of Business and Economic Development in Maryland, otherwise known as DBED. And what happened there in my first week, I was inundated with calls and emails from military members and veterans saying, hey, you know what? I'm transitioning out. I have cybersecurity skills. I have experience, but I'm having a hard time finding a job. And on the flip side, employers were saying, hey, where's all these great vets that we keep hearing about with top secret clearances or whatever it is? We'd love to connect with them. So I took a batch of resumes that I had. And I sent it out to employers. And to my surprise, little to none got interviews or even, you know, got reached out to. And I say, well, what's the disconnect here? What's what's going on? We all know that there is a tremendous shortage of cybersecurity talent. So I think that employees would have been chomping at the bit to get in touch with these military men and women. So as I started digging deeper, I decided to do something about it. And that's why we launched CyberWarrior Network. So essentially, our goal there is to help companies find, hire, and retain the best military cyber talent. I've always been passionate about veteran entrepreneurship and helping veterans in any way that I can. And this podcast, you know, is one of the ways that we can just give back. You know, the podcast is about helping vets launch businesses and careers within cybersecurity. You know, we'll have in-depth conversational interviews with industry thought leaders, educators, employers, entrepreneurs, investors, and practitioners, and also job seekers about cybersecurity. There'll be a wide range of topics that we can discuss. How do we take somebody from beginners within cybersecurity all the way up to an expert and the challenges that the industry faces? So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our first guest, General Keith Alexander. At Ironnet Security, as the CEO and President, retired General Keith Alexander provides strategic vision to corporate leaders on cybersecurity issues through the development of cutting-edge technology, 
Consulting, and Education and Training. We're going to jump right in and ask him, you know, let's start off by, sir, could you tell us about your military career, where you started, and how did you end up in uh, cybersecurity? Many of my bosses often brought up the fact that if you get out, we're not going to have great people in the military. So I stayed in, and along the way, I got some education at the Navy Postgraduate School, master's degrees in physics, double EW related, and others that positioned me well in the signals intelligence community. And after brigade command, I got selected for brigadier general, went to CENTCOM, central command as the intel, and continued to rise up. It was interesting, how do you get to NSA? Well, it's timing, being at the right place at the right time. I actually had done a series of things with Secretary Rumsfeld, under Secretary Cambone, and they asked me what job I'd like next, and I said NSA. And they said, well, how about another job? And I said, no, I'd rather retire. And so they said, no, no, NSA would be good. And NSA was great. The people at NSA, the military and civilians at NSA are amazing. Being part of that community was spectacular. And they solved problems like Buckshot Yankee that nobody else in the world could have that led us to develop U.S. Cyber Command. Secretary Gates and I talked about, so what do you do? How do we fix the nation in cybersecurity? And Secretary Gates came up with the idea of creating Cyber Command, dual-hatting me from my joint functional component command net warfare to Cyber Command and elevating NSA and Cyber Command to four-star. And it was a great journey, a tremendous opportunity. And, uh, you know, and I would continue doing it, but you know, at some point you do have to retire. So after eight years and eight months in the job, I think allowing others to take over was the right thing to do. So great time. I appreciate you going through your, your career here. So such a, a, a prestigious and with a lot of responsibilities and you're looking at cybersecurity for our nation, what qualities and attributes do you, you know, you look for in the leaders that you empowered while you served in both of those roles? I think there are several. You want people to have great integrity up front. You want them to be hardworking, work well as a team, have great leadership skills. How do they take care of people? I like a more charismatic approach, which means that you look at people and try to get the best out of them, not demand and beat them, but lead them to a better place. So I like leaders that are in that. Actually, one of the, the key folks that I actually brought in early on was the deputy director for NSA, Chris Inglis, who is probably characterized as the best in what I see in people. Great leader, very humble, tremendous intellect. Everybody liked him. He was superb. Those are the kind of people we need and our government needs. So I'm an E6. I'm still in the Air Force. this is this is a great opportunity to meet with with you as a four star general. And we don't have that opportunity even within the military on a regular basis. So what types of challenges or complaints were channeled up to you from, you know, let's say the lower ranks that really stuck to you while you were commanding? Well, it's interesting. So <clears throat> most of the issues that would come up to me would go through a series of processes to get there. So each service has its own chain of command. So 24th Air Force or FISRA or INSCOM or now Army Cyber, each of these have different chains of command that would, for the most part, solve problems. NSA also had an internal hierarchy. 
And the issues that would come up to be would be probably the ones that are the most important and the most difficult. Parking. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you get so you get issues, you know, some of these issues that you get, you think, really? <laughs> yeah, well, park, you know, so you get all but yeah. for the most part, you know, if the issues are things like parking, then it's not bad. Yeah. If the issues are race related, we've got problems with internal struggles or we're not being treated right, then you got far more problems. But if the problem is parking, you know, parking is a problem, say, okay, we'll work it and keep working, get more parking, Harvey, get parking, or, you know, the quality of life. So taking care of people is key. I actually enjoyed walking around NSA and Cyber Command and talking to people. You learn more about what's going on. For the most part, um, you know, if, if parking is your biggest problem, you're probably in a good place. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. So what were your big, biggest challenges uh, running both organizations and from a tactical standpoint and then back to, you know, people's perspective? Well, for Cyber Command, it was building Cyber Command. It was a challenge. And then helping both the Bush administration and the Obama administration understand what cyber is, mm -hmm. what we should be doing in cyber and explaining, articulating and helping them come up with a process for defending this country. Something that still difficult for people to get their head around today. How do you defend the nation in cyber? Whose job is it? How do you do that? Those are the biggest challenges that I face and I think our nation still faces today. How do you defend this country? What's the role of the Defense Department and the intelligence community? Well, it's their job to defend the nation. How does that work with and how is that integrated in with what's happening at DHS, at Justice and elsewhere? And those are things that challenge uh, my successor today and challenge me. So those are really tough issues that our nation's going to have to get its arms around. How do you think that we can best prepare our guys and gals transitioning out for the civilian sector? In? Well, don't underestimate the value of what you've learned in the military. One of the things that employers like are people who come to work on time, mm -hmm. who have a great work ethic and great integrity. So if you have those three and you have a skill set like cyber, you're, you're in great demand. So the issue is when you come out, take those values that you learned in the military, you know, the integrity, the on time, the work hard, and apply that to the civilian life and you will do well, no doubt about it. Add in what you've learned in cyber and help them in the cyber area even better. So can you describe your decision-making process when you're faced with solving cyber threats? And can you share a, a story that kind of demonstrates that? Well, <clears throat> don't, I, I would say don't underestimate the power of innovation. In, 2012, this, no, excuse me, 2008, we noticed problems in the OSD network mm -hmm. and we were able to go in and identify malicious software in that network. And that software, our guys brought up to me on a Friday, 24 October, 1630, all bad things happen in the government on Friday afternoon. On Fridays. And I called Secretary Gates and I called Chairman Emil Mike Mullen and told them about the problem. Then I turned around to this group of five folks who were in the office and said, okay, we, we found the problem, how do we solve it? And they came up with a great solution. And my job as the director was to figure out how long that could take. I figured, well, 
can't be that hard. How about one day? Build a system with all the encryption, all the capabilities, and have it ready the next day. And they did. Nobody else in the world could have done that. Having done that, when Secretary Gates saw what NSA was able to do, that's what led for his decision to dual hat NSA and Cybertrain. Because two weeks later, he chopped the all the defense of the DOD under my authority. No good deed goes unpunished. Wow. So there's a critical shortage uh, of cybersecurity talent, both in the military and outside. What strategies did you use or employ while you were, you know, at the NSA and uh, Cybercom to attract and retain that type of talent you just talked about? I mean, building some type of capability in one day, that's unheard of, very impressive. So I think it's first the fundamentals <clears throat> for anybody, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, STEM. I think we all should encourage those in school to take more engineering, math, science, and technology courses. And for those in the military, they should do that as well. Get a degree in a hard science that helps you understand what's happening to our world. Technology is doubling every two years. If you think about the iPhone was introduced just 10 years ago, look at how rampant it is today. Look at all the changes that are going on. And that in and of itself is the change. And so if you want to be relevant, jump on that wave understand the technology and be a leader in it. And that's where the shortage is. It's in people who program in those languages, people who can understand, people that can secure them. And for folks in the military that are self-motivated, go learn that and you'll have job forever. Yeah, what we're doing at Cyber War Network is helping companies understand what cyber hybrid <laughs> that, that they're actually looking for. So, you know, and that's a com combination of specific skill sets and translating them from the military in, in, in your operational experience and how can that help somebody else's mission. So I, th I think there's some synergistic alignment in what you just said. What, so you did, you were the keynote at DEF CON. Tell us about that experience and what were your biggest takeaways dealing with that group of individuals? Well, I think it's important for our government to reach out to everybody. And people said, well, if you go to DEF CON, you're part of the government. This is kind of like an anti-establishment yeah. group. And actually, when you look at DEF CON, it's government guys, it's military guys, it's civilian guys who are good hackers. Mm -hmm. These are people that are good on the network. And what they really want to know is about what they do. I think going out there and the best thing that we can do is say, how do we work together? We're all in this. We're all it's one network. How do we defend the country? What are the steps to move forward? And so going to DEF CON was to do just that. If we work together, we can defend this country. Nobody at DEF CON really is a bad guy hacker. Well, most of them aren't. And if they are, they're probably going to get caught. So yeah. if you're a good guy, what you're actually trying to do is learn from everybody else that's there. Yeah. And so part of it is, well, you want to know some people who are really doing some great work in cyber? Look at NSA, look at Cyber Command. And so going out there is a natural thing for recruiting and others. Yes. What's one thing that you wish you had accomplished at your time at NSA and US CyberCom? Hmm. One thing I wish I'd accomplished. Well, I would say solving the parking thing, but then there would be no problems <laughs> there. So what would uh, be the most important thing to solve? I think having rehearsed for our nation, how government and industry should work together to defend the nation is one thing I would like to have done. 
I think it was too early then, but that's something that we still have to do. Okay. Can you describe what goes through your mind when you're faced with a threat that intersects with both uh, security and privacy? You can do both. That's the first thing that goes through my mind. People look at it as security or privacy, and the answer is you can do both. And many people get that mixed up, but the reality is you can, and we do do both. Okay. Uh, so how do you think the NSA metadata program affected both your legacy and, and national security? Well, first, it goes back to your earlier question. So let's talk about the metadata program first and then come back and circle around to answering it. It's interesting when people think about the metadata program, they are often confused that NSA was listening to their phone calls and reading their emails. But the metadata program was authorized by Congress, the courts, and the administration. And it was something that NSA executed to defend this nation from terrorists. In the summer of 2013, President Obama asked for a presidential review group. One of the members on that review group was a board member of the American Civil Liberties Union. When I was told that, I thought, you have to be kidding me. Hmm. But that individual came up and we walked them through this entire program. And over the next five weeks, the presidential review group would on and off come up to NSA do a complete audit with the people who ran the program. So I only did the introduction. And then over those five weeks, they got to meet with the young folks that ran the program. They got to do a 100% audit and they got it. At the end, this individual came up and shook my hand. And he said, you and your people have the greatest integrity of any agency. So I said, don't tell me, tell the president, Congress, the American people and the people of NSA. And he said, I do that. And so Jeffrey Stone, the board member of the ACLU, the acting dean at the University of Chicago Law School and the presidential review group person, uh, did that. He published several articles that essentially said, you know, NSA is a agency that acts with great integrity, follows the rule of law, and actually is doing what we want them to do. Now, he didn't agree with this program on metadata. But two years later, he called me up and said, we need to write an op-ed. And I thought, why would an ACLU guy be talking to an army officer about writing an op-ed? And his answer was, well, we need to have this program continue and it's coming up for legislation. I said, I thought you were against it. And he said, well, I am, I'm not for it, but if we don't have a program like this to defend our country and we get hit by terrorist attack, we're not gonna have civil liberties and privacy. And this is the best program that we have today and nobody's been able to do better. So he and I did an op-ed and the program was continued and continues to this day. So first, the biggest issue that comes out of things like the metadata program is a tremendous misunderstanding. People don't understand it was, it was authorized by courts, Congress and the administration, and it was executed by NSA. And after 18 months of investigation, not one person at NSA was found doing anything wrong. So I think there's good and bad. The good, not one person was doing anything wrong. NSA defended the country and they took the heat. The bad, I think our national leadership has to step up. When they authorize something, they have to say they've authorized it. Congress, the courts, and the administration should all step up and say we did. Admiral, or Chairman Mike Rogers and the Intel committees did that. But you need more of that. And then those congressional members who say they're listening to our phone calls, reading our emails, and mislead, the American people, they should be held accountable by their constituents for not telling the truth. 
So when I look at all this, one of the things that it really boils down to me is we did a poor job in educating the American people on this. Good news doesn't travel as fast as bad news and fake news. And so, you know, it's interesting what President Trump is fighting today is essentially some of the things that we fought. How do you get the truth out to the American people? And that's something that we always need to do. It impacted the military in the 70s and it impacted us during this whole thing. But to have Jeffrey Stone, that board member of the ACLU say, this agency acts with the greatest integrity of any government agency. We're gonna renew the program. That was a huge shift from where they were. Why wasn't that publicized? Did you know any of that before? I did not, sir. That's Actually, I, 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 in your interview in Alden Silicon Valley, I, that's where the first time I heard it. And then I did some research about it, but it was not publicized yeah. um, in the mainstream media. So one of the things that you get from that is the fact that there's a lot that we need to do to set the record straight. You know, you know from your time in the military that these people, military and civilians that serve our government, are by and large great people trying to do the best job they can to defend this country. Absolutely. They are the real heroes. To call somebody like Snowden a hero is absolutely wrong. This is a guy who stole documents, raced to China, and ended up in Russia and gave out those documents to people that only hurt our nation. And the ones that he gave out, oh, by the way, it's interesting. If you recall in 2006, the terrorist surveillance program was, was discussed. It's the same program. So it's not like it wasn't revealed in the press seven years earlier. Right. It's just people every seven years forget, I guess. Yeah. All right, sir, could you tell us what was what is the best leadership experience that you've had or story um, while you served? Yeah, I think the, the best one was with President Bush. In 2006, President Bush came to NSA, flew in his helicopter, and he landed at, up there on the parade field at Fort Meade, right in front of my house there. So wow. I saluted him and said, welcome to Fort Meade, Mr. President. He said, General, get in the car, we gotta talk. <laughs> and so I got in the car, he got in the jump seat, I got in the car, he kicked everybody else out. And we're driving from the parade field over to NSA. He goes, General, there's two problems we gotta talk about. First, they tell me you got too many bosses. And I thought, whoa, danger, Will Robinson. My bosses are the president, the vice president, Secretary Rumsfeld, Negroponte, the DNI. STRATCOM, the chairman, and Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. Those seven guys. Which one do you throw under the bus and live the next day? Wow. And I thought very quickly, none. So I told the president, actually, Mr. President, they're all good to me. And they were. They helped me. Nobody was over-directive, uh, and they let me do my job. I said, well, if that's it. General, if that's ever a problem, we'll fix it right away. I just said, which one are we going to throw under the bus, Mr. President? I just want to know which one of those are, or which three or four, just like, which one are we going to clean up? And he said, General, another problem. This issue with the terrorist surveillance program is getting really bad. It's in the press. It's going to be really bad. They're going to be all over this. Here's the deal. You defend the country, I'll take the heat. And he did wow. every step of the way. He took the heat. He went from there. We went and he did a press conference. He stood up to the American people with Cheney, McConnell, Hadley and myself behind him. And he told the American people this was his program to defend the country. And he took the heat. 
And he still took the heat, even after he retired as president. That was the greatest act of leadership I've seen in 40 years. Someone who stood up for something that he thought was right, that he had asked us to do. He never wavered. He never said it was too difficult. He did what our nation would expect of the president to do. He took responsibility for that which he thought was the right thing for our country. That's what leadership is all about. Thank you for sharing that story. So you're a highly decorated four-star general. You could have essentially written your ticket at any one of the you know, large consulting firms here. Why IronNet? Why choose to launch your own business? Well, actually, it's interesting. There's, a, there's some humor. None of them would have had me be CEO. You know, I had been another consultant, and yeah. I didn't want to just be a beltway consultant. You know, to be honest, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be selling things back to the government, going back in. I wanted to solve a problem. And I thought, well, you know, what's the biggest problem that, that faces our nation? It's uh, cybersecurity. And we didn't have the products that we needed mm-hmm. when I was on active duty or in cyber command. So let's put together a company, be, build those analytics that are needed and the capability and put that together. We can still do what the nation needs. And that's why you saw that sign, the mission continues. You can help protect this country, whether you're in the government or outside. It's for the common defense. And we are to all think about rules and responsibility that are like that. So when you launched um, IronNet, you you know, you know brought in some of the, the brightest minds in behavioral analysis, behavioral modeling, cybersecurity. Describe your personal philosophy when it comes to psychological warfare or your strategy that you use in your military career and now transition into leading IONET. Yeah, I don't know that psychological warfare comes in per se. I think what really comes in is leadership. Okay. So when you think about how do you how do you lead people to to do this? And it's those who would like to change the way our nation does cybersecurity come over here. Come with me. Let's go work it. And those that think that's a crazy idea, well, uh, there's other jobs out there. So I think what you want to do is you want to get people who have a like mind, that want to change the world, that want to try something that's new and innovative, that's hard. Provide that kind of environment for people. You know, it's not, you know, a startup is not something that you come in and you say, okay, I've got a secure job. All I need to do is come in at eight, go home at five. It's, we've got to build something that nobody's ever done before. And, oh, by the way, if we're going to be successful, we've got to not only build it, we've got to sell it, we've got to do this, and we've got to do all that. That's difficult. And what you want to do is show people it's difficult, but it's worthwhile. One of the things that we did is everybody in the company gets stock in the company. And so in doing that, if it's successful, we all succeed. So what, would, what is the three top things that you would describe as your culture here at IronNet? And, you know, you talked about stock. Everyone gets stock. And did you take those lessons from the military or is this, you know, lessons learned outside, you know, dealing with Silicon Valley or anything like that? First, the most important thing that we did, we all got parking. <laughs> we solved that problem. Yep. If I were to say, what are the three most important things? And every company is going to work their way through it. You start out with the same things. Integrity, hardworking, teamwork, leadership. You put those on the table. That's what company wants. They want to know that the people they're dealing with have great integrity, that they're willing to work hard, that they're willing and they have good leaders, and uh, that they'll work together as a team, all for one and one for all. 
I think that's what, what people want. Added benefit is, and oh, by the way, let's come up with a way to help defend this country in cyberspace. And everybody looks at that, that's a noble idea. And when people think about that, that's something they can say, oh, I can be proud of doing that. Right. Um, your customers that you serve, are they large companies or uh, small companies, mid-sized? Generally speaking right now, it's large because large can afford to do what we're trying to do. And they have both the IT workforce and a cyber workforce to actually do it. Your mid and small companies don't. So we'll come out with a product that will help them. But to start off, you need somebody who has the IT and cyber professionals to actually do what we're trying to do. And so it's generally large and it's all commercial to date, but we will start working with the government. So for for veterans who are looking to launch cybersecurity businesses, what are three sectors that you feel that have huge promise or need to be solved right now? I would I would put them in this order. You have finance, energy and government, those three right off the bat. Got it. Those are the three. OK. Um, so do you have confidence in our new commander in chief, President Trump, and his new administration when it comes to strengthening our nation's cybersecurity? I do. And here's why I sat in on the cyber listeners thing. And I think the way he's approaching cybersecurity is exactly right. We've got to get out in front of this. You know, it's interesting. It also brings in a couple of other issues that you look at. You know, I'm of the mind that when you look at all the bipartisan politics that are out there, our nation has a lot of problems. We ought to all work together to go solve those problems. And you know what goes on in the press and the foray that goes back and forth. Actually, the president was elected on a program to help get our country back on its feet. So we that's a good idea. We ought to all help. Doesn't mean you have to like him. It does mean though, for the good of the country, we ought to help. In cyber, I think what he's trying to do to help fix the government and get government and industry to work together is the right thing. I think, you know, you can find a lot of bad things about anybody, but the, for our nation, what you and I and others should do is to say, this is our country, our children, our grandchildren are going to be here. How do we make this place better? And we're not going to make it better by just fighting. We're going to make it better by stop fighting and go do something, go do something good. And the more good you do, the better it gets. So are there any policies that, that you like or dislike uh, from this new administration and why? In the cybersecurity In the cyber area? Yes, sir. I, well, they haven't put out the executive order yet, so it's too early to tell. But my the early indications of what they're doing to fix government, get government and industry working together are in the right area. So I think they're addressing all the issues that I could come up with so far. But the, but the executive order is not out yet. Got it. If you could go back in time and talk to a, a young First Lieutenant Keith Alexander, what advice would you give him both from a military perspective in launching a cybersecurity career and as a, a CEO of a company? Well, that's kind of interesting. I hate to admit to the fact that I came out before the laptop computers and all that. So when I was a lieutenant, if you think about the mid 70s and 80s, look at how far technology has gone. Right. And so I built my first computer in 1980. It was a Z80 with eight megahertz or eight megabits of, of storage. Wow. Yeah. And you had to build it at home, put it all together, solder it all. What advice would I get? You know, it's kind of interesting. You know, what are the things that you learn through life? And they actually are more on the personal side than they are on the cyber side. On the cyber side, I've given you my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Learn 
always educate, lead, talk with people, work together. On the personal side, make sure you let everybody in your family know what you think of them positively, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your children, because they're not all here and they go away unexpectedly and at times and you never can make that time off. Right. So take take the best of that. I think in in life, you know, people say, why did you spend 40 years in the military? It was a great time. I had a great time. They are great people. Could, could I have made more money on the outside? Probably. Could I have done as much? No. And do I regret it? Not. Tell us one book that you give all of your leaders who worked under your command to read. One book that you recommend. So the one book I get, being an army officer, has to be very thin and with pictures in it. It's called <laughs> Monday Morning Leadership. Monday Morning Leadership. Awesome. It's a great book. And, and who's the author? Cottrell. David Cottrell. Okay. And it's a book about how you take care of people. It's a good book. Awesome. And we're going to be putting links to the in the show notes for all of the recommendations. Are you reading any any book currently that you'd like to uh, tell us about? Well, I'm reading the CISSP manual. Wow. So that's 1,200 pages. That'll take yeah. at least a day. So I know do more technology books than others. So I've got that. I've got Linux for Dummies and some of those. My wife was asking me, why aren't you reading a book? And actually... There's two things I like to do. So with Jen, we're, we're, she's doing CISSP, so I thought, well, I'll read it too. And for technology, how do you stay up to speed on things like yeah. Python and all these? And then patents. Uh, so I do patents with for the company and stuff. So coming up with new ideas, so I think more about that. And so think of me in that area of how do you come up with a new idea? Well, it's not in the books yet. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoy doing that. So this is really interesting. I mean, you know, in the CyberWare network, we're showing military members a career path and certifications being one of them. So we have General Alexander saying that he's um, reading CISSP, you know, and 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 so that this is awesome. So what's next for you and your bucket list? What what do you what do you want to do now that you're enjoying retirement and and running this company? What's anything exciting you'd like to share with us? Well, I think I would like to see this company be hugely successful mm -hmm. and all the people that are in it be rewarded for that. You know, if I were to, you know, get one wish, mm -hmm. I'd like to bring unity back into our country. How do we get all Americans feeling good about America? How do we get rid of all the bad issues in press? You know, we spent, if you listen to the press yesterday, it was all about the attorney general. Da, 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 da. And we didn't even know if he did anything right or wrong, if he just made an honest mistake. But he was brutalized in the press. How do we get to a place where, you know, people assume noble intent? And that as a nation, we're not out there trying to dissect and, and already come up with a verdict on people before we know the facts. How do we do that? And we have a lot of issues. We have this tremendous debt. We've got huge issues overseas. You know, we've got, you know, healthcare issues. And you put all those on the table. I would like to see our country work together to go solve those. And the good part about working in the military, one of the things that we learn as a team is to work together for the good of the country. How can we as the military help imbue that with the rest of the nation so that our nation works together for the good of the country instead of being so divided on so many things. Everybody has, has a part in that. I've got it. And we can throw rocks both back and forth. 
but it starts by one person or two people putting their hands on the table and said, I'll work with you for the good of the nation. Right. And that's what we had to do. So, so you just mentioned that you want to grow this company and we didn't ask this question earlier. Tell us a little bit about IronNet and I know that you're doing some work in visualization. Yeah. So we're actually building behavioral analytics mm -hmm. using flow data to detect anomalies in a network to be able to see all the devices in the network at network speed, understand where the malware is and share that within the network and among networks and like sectors that would help you defend a sector and then defend the nation. So our objective is to do just that. There's a lot of issues using behavioral analytics and behavioral models. What we're doing is solving each one of those and developing a product that will help us defend networks in ways we've never been able to do in the past. I think that has some tremendous opportunities for our country, and as a consequence, will benefit IronNet as well. Got it. And if our listeners wanted to get in co contact with you, how could they do that? Uh, one eight hundred. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a website on IronNet, and uh, they just do info at IronNet, and Got they it. can send a message there. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with me with us today, uh, General Alexander. Thank you, Nigel. You take care. Thanks for listening to the CWN Esports Podcast. Check us out on CyberWarriorNetwork.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.